Hey, we're here at day two of IPX, and uh, this is Angela with Real Indigenous. Tell me your name and what y'all are doing at your booth. Hi, uh, I'm Will Thompson. I am co-owner of Absurdist Productions, and we're here, here selling some uh, board games and role-playing games, some of our stuff, and some stuff for Kaidi and Crow. Um, we're local board game designers, um, and yeah, we've got some cool stuff here. I'm David Thomas. I'm the other co-owner of Absurdist Productions, and he just told you what we're doing. So, <laughs> so tell me what board games you have here, and where who developed them? Okay, starting off, we've got PaleoVet, which is a game about being a veterinarian for dinosaurs. This is a game that um, I design and uh, Dave helped develop, and it is coming out this summer. We're taking pre-orders now. Um, I've also got Transformation, which is a solo journaling role-playing game that tells a horror story where you're telling a story of you turning into a monster while the person you live with is sort of dealing with you. Um, and so it's a really cool new genre of games for solo role-playing games. Um, and that one's been pretty popular. And then we've got Cody and Crow, which I guess I can best describe as the indigenous Dungeons and Dragons. So this is set in a world where North America was never colonized. History happened totally different. Um, throw in some sci-fi and fantasy elements, and you've got a really cool, unique world where you can play out adventures that aren't like anything else you've ever seen. Um, then we've got a couple other accessories for Coyote and Crow, some fancy dice, and Nasi, which is a game, uh, a push-your-luck dice game that's set within the world of Coyote and Crow. Yeah, and Coyote and Crow has been nice enough since Will did some writing for them uh, to let us sell their stuff, so. And they were on Kickstarter? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The Coyote and Crow funded on Kickstarter, um, I don't remember exactly when, but they, uh, they blew up really popular, made over a million dollars on Kickstarter, um, and the game is getting you know, distributed out everywhere so it's um, it's been kind of a big deal it's really cool to be part of it now do y'all have a storefront to or where can they order paleo vet and transformation okay so some of the local shops here in oklahoma city are carrying um, transformation and they will carry paleo vet when it comes out right now you can pre-order paleo vet on our website absurdistproductions.com and you can also order transformation and some of our other games on there for Coyote and Crow stuff, you can find it on Amazon or you can go to coyoteandcrow.net. So how does being indigenous roll into your game development? So everything that I make, um, it, really does, it really does affect it in interesting ways because I'm looking at games not from a very competitive, like colonization kind of angle, which a lot of modern board games do. I'm looking at it from a completely different angle of how can we have these really positive interactions where we're working with each other while also competing um, and telling different types of stories that don't normally make it into this genre. So I think it really does um, impact, and sometimes in subtle ways, like a game about being a veterinarian for dinosaurs might not seem on first glance like it has an indigenous slant to it, but when you consider that like this is the only Jurassic Park type style setting where you're there helping the dinosaurs instead of running from them or whatever trying to, control them. trying to control them exactly yeah yeah what was the inspiration for this so i was originally inspired by the second jurassic world movie there's a character in there who's a paleo veterinarian and i just thought that was a super cool idea um and i you know my girlfriend at the time and her, her kid loved dinosaurs and so they were super excited about that and so like thinking about all that i just kind of came up with the idea of this sort of like dice push your luck game where you're you're playing as a vet, paleo veterinarian I just thought that was such a cool job you know um, but yeah that's, it's kind of where it came from and then from there we just developed it out and it changed over time but um, it's really kind of held to that um, and so we just did something that 
appeals to kids. Kids love the art, but adults do too because everybody loves dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, there's not there's nobody that doesn't love dinosaurs. Um, yeah, making a game that you can play with a family or you can play at game night with your friends. You know, either way, it, it works pretty well. Yeah, that was a big thing too. Is making sure we put rules in so that you know the adults can play it and enjoy it, and it's got strategy, so they're not bored. But then it's got enough simple mechanics that kids can play it without getting confused, which is a lot harder than you think. So, like, for the, a game for the whole family. Yes, exactly. All right, well, good luck at IPX today. And where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find us on social media on pretty much everywhere as Absurdist Productions. On Twitter, it's Absurdist Prod because we ran out of characters. Um, but, yeah, Absurdist Productions on Instagram and Facebook um, are good places to find us. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Angela from Real Indigenous here at IPX, and I'm here interviewing Michael Toya. I do um, indigenous uh, flair. My indigenous flair of designs, you know, matched with my with the pop art most. Um, most of my stuff I do, I, I, I uh, collab with the Star Wars characters and incorporate my own flair of native designs into each, um, each character. And where are you from? I'm from uh, the Pueblo of Jemez, which is an hour outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that's where I fell in love with art. And, you know, it's been following me ever since. Now, do you have formal training or is it just teach yourself? So basically, I come from a family of artists. I guess you can say it's in the blood. You know, I, I was intrigued at a young age, and it sort of just, I stuck with it. It stuck with me. And um, basically just um, learning and growing and experimenting with different um, uh, subject matter, with different styles of paint, watercolor, acrylic on canvas. And so I'm basically self-taught. Very cool. So let's see, tell us about what you have here at your booth today. So I got a, a collection of different um, T-shirts with my hand-painted designs, silk screen printed on T-shirts, um, uh, several different Star Wars characters. I also have original paintings in, uh, in the large scale, smaller scale, uh, fine art prints. I also have um, any occasion note cards, thank you cards, and uh, everything you see here is all handmade, hand-painted. Great. So where can we find your stuff? Okay, so I'm currently working on a website right now, but you can follow me on social media and, um, you know, message me through Instagram. And it's at Toya Michael, T-O-Y-A-M-I-C-H-A-E-L at Instagram. Okay, great. Thanks for taking the time to visit with me. I know you're really busy, so good luck on the rest of the show. I really appreciate you stopping by and, and I love to support, you know, the, the community and I love your support as well. So thank you. My name is Georgia Adeline Harjo, and I do many different forms of art. What's your favorite? My favorite right now is sewing. Sewing? Yes. Okay. What, do, what do you sew to, what do you got over here that you sewed? So I sew ribbon skirts with satin line pockets and an adjustable waistband, and I also make ribbon purses. I've done a lot of uh, indigenous pop culture figures, so like Marvel, the Mandalorian, Animal Crossing, Sonic, any of those things you can think of. And I also do lace overlays and children's skirts. Nice. I noticed that you're wearing your banner, so tell me a little bit about your, your sash and what you have on your head. 
Okay, so I'm not wearing regular today. I'm wearing my banner, like you said. Uh, it says Miss Oklahoma Indian Bikers Princess, and I'm wearing my crown. Today I'm representing the Oklahoma Indian Bikers. I am the princess for the 2022-2023 year, and I was chosen through a pageant in which I had to show my introduction, describe what my regalia means to me, as well as ask, answer different questions. So they're a really great organization that is a group of native motorcycle riders in Oklahoma, all across the state. And they do a lot of different charitable things. They are sponsors of the Murrow Indian Children's Home, and they also co-host different powwows and provide color guard as well. Oh, so there are a lot of veterans in there? Yes, there are a lot of veterans in there. Ah, cool. So how did you get involved in the pageant world, and what is it teaching you about your indigeneity? Uh, I first got involved from seeing it with other people, but I uh, heard about the, specifically this title through my auntie, Chriselle Baker, and she should, she's on the committee. She suggested I try out, and so I thought about it, and I really focused on learning more about my culture and things as well, and I said, you know what? I'll try. If I don't win, that's cool, but I was excited and shocked, honestly, to find out that I did win, <laughs> so that's how I got involved, was hearing about it from other people and seeing it. And it's just been so exciting. It's taught me a lot, and it's taught me a lot of etiquette as well. And I've gotten to meet so many people this past year. My title's almost over, too. So I'm excited to pass it on to another young person so they can learn more. And what are your plans for the future? My plans for the future, um, <laughs> I'm not quite, oh wait, what do you mean? Like career-wise or what? Whatever you want to talk about. Art, career, education. Oh. Well, I hope to go forward with my art and do it like for my whole life. I love art. That's one of my favorite things. Career-wise, I'm not quite sure what I want to do yet, but I do want to go to school at the College of Muskogee Nation and get my language certificate. The culture thing, I'm not just doing for this title, but I also want to dedicate my life to teaching others that. Great. And let's see, you have some beadwork here. What's your favorite piece out of all of your jewelry? Ooh, my favorite piece would have to be the medallions. So I make, I brought some to display. I have a Hello Kitty medallion, which I wear with my Cheyenne regalia. I also have a Metal Sonic medallion, which I made for my brother. And my mom is currently wearing one. It's a Snoopy medallion I've made. So I've slowly gotten into making these free-handed picture medallions. And they take some time, but I really love the end result. Awesome. Well, thanks for visiting with me, and have a great rest of the conference. Yes, Mado, thank you. Harunjehicha, please. Hey, it's Angela with Real Indigenous, and we're here with Friend of the Pod, and frequent, we hope, visitor to the pod. Introduce yourself and tell us what you're here for. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. Um, I'm here at Indigicon with Weampe Designs and No Heart Designs. We're having a great day here with Angela. I would love to be on the podcast again multiple times. I love movies, native movies especially. <laughs> so what are you selling? Um, we at Weampe have earrings. We have clothing. We have t-shirts, accessories, stickers, buttons, um, a lot of fashion items, bags, and I'm also having a raffle with No Heart Designs. Um, my grand prize is a custom garment or beaded item, um, so that could be like hair ties or like earrings, necklaces. My second runner-up, my first place runner-up is 
this uh, skirt. It's an overlay skirt with pockets. It's adjustable, pleated. And then my second runner-up prize is these beautiful two-tiered um, earrings that have a heart and a teardrop. And so I'm raising money to go to Native Fashion in the city at Denver next week. And so I would love everyone's support. And I can't wait to see all the indigenous models and artists up there as well. So tell us more about this fashion show. Okay. So this is the eighth year Native Fashion in the City is having their fashion show. Um, it is on March 17th um, in Denver, Colorado. There's, they've been promoting it very well. They've had different open model castings. They had one here at the First Americans Museum a couple weeks ago. And we even have some awesome models from... Um, here in Oklahoma that are traveling up that way. Um, this will be my first solo uh, fashion show, but I'm hoping to bring some and highlight some Native American artists that are friends and family along with me and showcase them as well because we are all part of this community and we are so talented. So I'm hoping to be able to just help propel and Native fashion and just like take up space. So we're all great and talented and I just want to help empower people. So it's where in Denver and what time? Oh no, I stumped her because <laughs> she's going to have to be there all day. I am going to have to be all there. <laughs> I'm going to be on Thursday too. And so it starts at seven and I believe it's at the Denver Museum. I have to double check that though. And how many artists are coming and from where? I do not have all those details with me at the moment. But it's going to be a bunch. Yes. You, you just say a bunch. Yes, it's a bunch. <laughs> it's a good, keen amount. <laughs> so what are the parameters? So when you're in fashion and you want to be in a fashion show, do they have like specific requirements for things that you've got to design and show? Or is it just like whatever you want? It's kind of whatever you want because we all come from different backgrounds, different sizes, different abilities. And every one of us has different... Um, things that we bring to the table and so they want to highlight each of those and so for me specifically I'm highlighting my Seminole culture because that's where I was raised up by my um, family and so we're a matrilineal um, tribe and so I'm heavily involved in that and so I'm wanting to highlight and showcase that. Okay so well good luck next week uh, you'll have to report back when you come talk on our pod next yes, time. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. How many pieces are you going to be showing next week? At least eight. I'm doing girl. <laughs> yes. And so I'm hoping to have a wide range of models. Um, male, female, two-spirit, unisex, non-binary. So break a leg and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Mado, mado, mado. Hi, I'm Wajo Murugiwatu Splicer. I'm a wood carver and I uh, do some pyrography, wood burning. Uh, most of my wood here is uh, maple. These are war clubs and I got all kind of different shapes and sizes, colors, something I like to do. So what inspired you to start making war clubs? I guess I always wanted one as a kid. I always wanted my own and in high school I was able to make one in shop, shop class and I just like making them. So do your people, so you're from Canada originally, right? You still live there, right? Yeah, back and forth. I split my time back and forth between Ganawage and Ganyage. Ganyage being on the state side. And do your people historically use war clubs? Yeah, these were all used in, since time immemorial up until about the 1600s, 1700s, when, uh, you know, firearms were introduced. 
and the iron tomahawks. But before that, it was all wooden clubs like these. So is there, how do you go about making, selecting the wood and making a war club? A lot of times I just see them. I spend a lot of time outdoors and I'll just see these growths. They kind of pop out like a sore thumb, especially in the wintertime when there's no leaves on the trees. I, I do a lot of snowshoeing and walking in the woods and so I'll just bring a like fluorescent ribbon with me. And wherever I see something I like, I'll just tie a little ribbon on it for future, uh, for me when I come back. And I leave a little bit of tobacco and say my thank yous and that's what I do. And I let these things dry for at least a whole year before I even touch them. Really? Yeah, I put them in the shed and just kind of let them get dried up because these things, you'd be surprised how much moisture they can hold. Especially even with the bark on. And then one day on a, on a wet day, I'll, I'll put them outside, let them get soaked again and then it seems to help the bark slip a little bit easier. Okay, so you have to take the bark off and then you use... A machine or hand or yeah I use uh, machine tools and electric and hand tools I usually start off with a bandsaw and kind of cut off I, I leave them at least a, a foot long on each end because for shrinkage and cracking and stuff so I'll use a bandsaw and rough them out usually use a sharpie and just kind of scribble on it and then when I get down to a shape that I like I'll start using the hand tools and take my time but in the beginning, it's just real rough, and just rough them out. So do you have to be in a particular mindset whenever you're making these things, or? I guess, I don't know, some, it's just like, <laughs> if I feel like doing it, I will, and I, I do it when I have time, too, but as, as far as a mindset goes, I guess you, I guess you got to be somewhat of a warrior to want to make these things. They're not for everybody, you know. Or are they? Are they for everyone? I mean, me as a woman, I can still use them, right? Sure, definitely. A lot of people use them now for, you know, for dance, dance purposes or anything. That's what I would say too. I travel the border a lot, and I've been, I've been questioned, and I just say it's a, you know, you, technically you can hit somebody with a hockey stick too. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not a club until you club somebody with it. <laughs> so I just say these are dance sticks or, uh, you know, cultural ornaments, accessories. You know, people dance these days, and a lot of guys like to. Uh, they be historically accurate, right? They dance in a 17th or 18th century outfit and style and they'll, they'll they'll prefer to carry one of these guys with them well they're they're beautiful I mean can you describe a couple of these for our listening audience since they can't see them uh, particularly the ones that are more decorated yeah this one's uh was a it was a maple sapling I got a little uh it's about two foot long it's kind of got a handle with a ball on the end there's a kind of a ball on the end of the that would be a part to that be used to strike somebody. And there was a natural hole there where a branch once was. I just stuck a... I got a buddy who does flint napping, and he's got kind of got like a spear point. I bought a few spear points off him, and it fit, it fit perfect in there. I just glued it in. So it's a weapon, you know, a baton-like thing. Or, uh, well, yeah, that one looks pretty lethal. <laughs> a, war, a war mace. Some people might call them war hammers or war maces. And I got another one over here. It's shaped uh, another one about two foot long. But I shaped it into uh, an eagle, an eagle's talon and claw. I would burn some feathers on it, like would, would be his, uh, his ankle, I guess, or his wrist. And he's got four claws there, holding a, a sphere. The sphere being in the, the striking part. That one's, that one's beautiful. Thanks. And then you've got some images over here that you've wood carved? Yeah, I penciled these in. 
pencil them in and I go over with a with a wood burning little kit I bought. It's kind of like a tattoo machine for wood. Oh, okay. And just uh, it's got different nibs, different pens you can put on the end, and uh, you get different uh, different shapes of what burns. Basically, they're pens, pens that get hot. <laughs> and how do you get the color on that? Uh, paint. That's actually just acrylic paint. Oh, okay. Yeah. But my thing is to burn it and just just a little bit of paint, just to. There's been some pieces that I painted a whole thing, you know. But I mean, my thing is the wood burning, so I want to I want to see the burn, you know. Yeah. This, this deer one is, I mean, absolutely gorgeous. How long did it take you to make that? That's actually not even done. Oh. I, I want to do the floor. <laughs> I want still want to do the, the foreground there. It kind of looks like he's standing in snow, but yeah. it's supposed to be all leaves there on the ground. Uh. And I brought my kit with me, but I just wasn't able to plug in. But that's probably at least. At least 15 hours there so far you know it's like when i have time you know yeah usually before i crash out at the end of the day i'll try to put an hour in or uh two hours if i could you know it's a hobby really is it, is it relaxing to you to do that it is it's like a meditation it's just a really slow i just and then uh i have a little fan going i have a little fan going to keep the smoke from out going going in my face but yeah, it's kind of, it's relaxing. The smell is good too, depending on what kind of wood you burn, you know. Pine. It's all pine. These are pine, so it smells pretty good. It's The war clubs are made out of what kind of wood? They're all sugar maple and hard maple from uh, northeastern Canada. I'm not sure. Like, I spend my time between Quebec and New York, so I don't remember which is from where now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're all primarily maple, maple wood. Now, is there any way to take care of it how do you care for them you could be able to oil it you know oil it from keeping them drying out and uh okay you know other than that if there's any if you end up making any nicks in it they can always be sanded out okay well yeah just kind of leave them hanging on leave them hanging on the wall and uh happy medium not super hot and not super cold eh? right room temperature because they do hold moisture, too. They still could crack, I guess. If you leave it out in the sun, it'll crack, for real. Yeah. And then you've got some horse hair on a couple of them? Yeah, this one's a shape This one's a shape of a horse. I got the head in the shape of a horse. Put a couple pieces of leather on there for his ears, and would burn some eyes and a snout. Yeah, it, he's cool. Thanks. I could totally see that in the power arena. Yeah, somebody could be dancing with this. Yeah. I brought this one to Oklahoma a couple of years ago too. Oh, so this is your second trip here? Yeah, I was just here. I just brought uh, I just brought a couple of pieces with me last time just to just to trade. I wasn't at a Comic Con or nothing. We were just visiting. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to visit with us, and good luck on the rest of the con. Thank you. First, so much. Nice meeting you. I'm Aslan Tudor. I uh, run NDN Games and Comics. Uh, it's a store. I'm hoping to actually have an actual store before I'm 18. I'm currently 15. And um, yeah, I just I sell games, comics, collectibles. So what made you want to do this? Um, I, uh, I've always liked comics and and like been a huge nerd and all this stuff and uh, just. There's also a very significant lack of native-owned comic book stores. As a matter of fact, there is only one native-owned comic book store in the world right now, and that is not mine. Uh, so I guess it's technically two now. 
but uh, there's also no native on board game stores. Really? Not that I know of. Until now. Yeah, until yours. Until, yeah. So what are you learning about running your own business? Um, so this is my very, yesterday was my very first day ever doing this. And, um, yeah, gotta learn how to display the stuff in a fun way. Uh, prices are annoying. Very annoying. <laughs> uh, just figure out what to display specifically, too. And making sure I have enough stuff constantly out and the right things. I feel like I just repeated myself five different ways. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to have your pitch that you have to talk about ever, over and over again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you were on one of the panels earlier? Uh, yeah, I was on the cosplay 101. I was just kind of invited to that because I got a cool costume. And, uh, yeah. What's your costume? Uh, the Witch King of Agmar from Lord of the Rings. Got, yeah, I got a cool helmet for it, some robes, metal gloves. Uh, my mom helped me make the helmet, and I bought most of the stuff, though. You made that helmet? My mom helped me, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, my mom did a, a lot of the work, but, you know, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> true, true. So is there anybody here at IPX that has been helping you learn the business? Yeah. Okay, so actually, the guy who's running it, Lee Francis, uh, he is helping me start my business. All the stuff I have at this table, uh, I would not have if it wasn't for Lee right now. Uh, he's helping me start my business. Um, he is the only. He owns the only other native-owned comic book store in the world. And... Um, doesn't want and wants to help me start so yeah so what advice do you have to other 15 year olds that want to do something that's that changes the world I mean just do just do what you want I mean find what you want to do and find a way to make it happen all right thanks for visiting with us and good luck okay bye I don't have any no social media nope we will Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully before I'm 18, though. Okay. So you're working on that. Where, yeah. Where might that be? Uh, near Dallas. Okay, so y'all are Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to have an online website, though, by the end of the year. Hi, my name is Jordan. I go by Ruby Finest as my handle for Twitter and Twitch. I often stream my art and commissions. I do uh, fantasy art mostly with Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder for players that just can't find the right image for what they're wanting, and but they really want to bring the character to life. So I help them bring that to reality. Um, my name is Lakin Keener. I am the bead artist behind Hot End Designs. Uh, beaded designs and excellence. I make everything from earrings to lanyards to feathers. Uh, anything that can be a beaded surface, I will do it. <laughs> so are you wearing your own design? I am, yeah. Uh, what made you make this? She's so talented. Um, so I did a year in fashion school, so I think of everything in terms of aesthetic. Uh, so I knew what outfits I had packed, and so I made beaded earrings to go with those. <laughs> um, but the centers are actually, I, most of my cabochons I try to make by myself. If they're not by me, then there are other um, native artists that I find on Instagram that I collaborate with. Um, so this one is by Poorfection on Instagram. Um, I have a lot of her centers. I try to buy every single time she does a release because they're so great. Things inspire you to, when you're designing 
Um, so, uh, God, that's such a big question. My grandma, uh, my great grandma was a beater, um, and my grandpa let me go through all of her old stuff last year, um, which was really great. I got us all this really cool um, safety pin squash blossom medallion. Um, I didn't know that they did that, but apparently that's really that was really popular in like the 60s and 70s. Um, so I took that and decided to do as much color blocking and like interesting things as I could. Um, modern inspirations. Um, I'm a really big horror fan, horror, horror fan. <laughs> um, most my, my first horror movie that I ever watched was Ghostface. I had like three of him out and I sold two yesterday and I sold my last one today. Um, so I based stuff off horror, um, pop culture stuff like Wednesday. Um, I'd love anime. I love um, nature. <laughs> so just really anything I can find and, and find enjoyment in. I feel like if I find enjoyment in it, then I bead faster. So. Um, my work is on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I also have a Twitter, but I haven't used it much. But they can find it at Hawden Designs. That's H-A-W-D-E-N Designs. And we got your Twitch handle, right? Yeah, my Twitch handle is Ruby Finest. So it's R-U-B-Y-F-I-N-E-S-T. Um, I usually use the same handle for my Twitter and my Twitch, as well as Instagram. Um, but yeah, I have my prices posted on my pin tweet for my Twitter. So if anybody wants to commission me, they can take a look at that in my terms of service, what I will draw, won't draw. And just, and just send me all the information about your favorite character. I can do it. <laughs> all right, that's super cool. I've never heard of that before. So thank you for visiting with me and good luck for the rest of the con. My name is Roxanne Stopp. I am a digital artist. I'm from Muskogee, Oklahoma, and a Cherokee Nation citizen. Awesome. And what kind of art do you work in? I do mostly uh, 2D digital art on a app called Procreate, and I just basically just put, uh, drop my ideas down, and they just turn into something colorful. I'm just here sharing those ideas and images to everybody, and I'm just enjoying this uh, whole experience at IndiePox. So what's your favorite subject to draw? My favorite subject is probably like, um, I like Halloween type stuff. I really do. I have, that gives me the most inspiration because um, everybody could dress up like IndiePox and everybody could be just as creative and Halloween, when it comes around that time, I'm, I'm all about it. Just, that's when I'm most creative. And what are you wearing today? Today I am Princess Mononoke. It's one of my favorite animes when I was a child, and I just thought I'd bring it to life today. And it seems everybody seems to love it too, have questions about what I'm wearing, and that's really fun. <laughs> so where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook at Roxanne Stop Arts and Instagram, Naya Creates. Um, Naya is my uh, Cherokee name stands for rock because I was really hard-headed as a kid so I just want to just keep it so rock creates night creates so I hope I hope that sticks <laughs> well thank you for taking the time to visit and good luck at the show thank you so much Uh, my name is Darby Raymond Overstreet, and I do beadwork, and I'm also a digital artist. Hi, my name is Basil Owen-Reese. I'm from the Ho-Chunk Nation, and I do beadwork. 
Okay, great. So are you enjoying APX? Oh, yeah. This is just one of our favorite events to do, and so we've been having a really great time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun, and just to be around um, this community that's about pop culture and, you know, all the indigenous is always a fun time. (laughs) So explain what we're looking at on your table for our listeners. Uh, yeah, so Basil and I, we both do beadwork together, and we, you know, between the two of us, we do an array of different styles, and so um, for this event, we made things that are themed kind of pop culture. I'm a Star Wars fan, so a lot of my work leaned towards the Star Wars themes, and Baz made a lot of beautiful things as well. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, sure. I had a few... Um kind of like series of work that I was focused on. One of them was Avatar The Last Airbender themed. Another one was the Mario Kart universe. Had a few pairs that were um, themed around that. And yeah, just, yeah, I think those were the main ones, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And so you're a digital artist as well? Yeah, I'm a digital artist. And so I brought some of my sticker designs too. They're just fun things that I make um, all kind of themed around just indigenous culture. Um, I'm Diné, so I've got like Diné themed things and then also Star Wars um, infused with kind of uh, Diné motifs. So did you, are you going to watch the Star Wars in Diné? Oh yeah, I love I love that one. That one's so fun to watch, yeah. Yeah, it's just so cool too, yeah. So tell us where we can find your work. Like here? Or? I don't know, on social or on the web. Uh, yeah, so I have my stickers and things and prints that I do on my website, DarbyRaymondOverstreet.com, or on Instagram, Darby.R.Overstreet, and then our beadwork together, um, we're under Just Beaded Things on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, so Just Beaded Things on Instagram is where um, we post all of our beadwork, and then we have it linked to our Facebook, as well as a website that you can access from either of those pages. Thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us and have a lot of fun.